All right, good morning, everybody. Good morning, Hope Elam. So good to see all of you here today. I want to welcome in those of you that are worshiping with us online. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is John. I'm one of the pastors here, and I want to wish you Happy New Year. It is so good to be together. It is a great new, new year, especially for you Cyclone fans out there. How about that? What a big day yesterday. That's pretty exciting. Absolutely. As a Hawkeye fan, this is hard for me to admit, but that was pretty awesome. So I was, I was rooting with you. What a way to start off the new year. If ever there was a year when we needed a fresh start, it is a collective fresh start altogether. This is it. Amen? And that is what we are doing this year. Deep down inside, I think that all of us know there is nothing magical about the turn of the calendar from December 31st to January 1st. You woke up the next morning and it was still cold, okay? You woke up the next morning, the pandemic is still going on. There's still pain, there's still hardship, there's still circumstances in our lives. The change of a calendar, a new year doesn't have the power to change our circumstances, our relationships magically, or our habits. But what I do love, and maybe what you love about this time of year, is the hope that it brings, all of us are wired for hope. All of us are wired to have a semblance of hope in our lives, of something to look forward to. And so we say things this time of year, maybe this will be the year that I finally fill in the blank. Maybe this will be the year that I find that someone. This will be the year that I quit or stop whatever that thing is that habitually plagues you. And at the same time, we know that January 1st did not get rid of the winter or the darkness around us, or the difficulties that we are facing, but there is something powerful about having a reason to hope, to believe. We need to believe that things can truly change, and that's what we have in Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what we just sang about, that we have the victory in him. In fact, God makes this incredible promise to us, Thousands of years ago through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 43. Let's read it nice and loud up on the screen. The big screen for those of you online, read it along with me. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. What a powerful promise, right? Very, very uh, timely for us on this first Sunday of a brand new year. Now, it'd be helpful to know the context of what that was written, and this isn't some just cute little saying that we came up with to put on a magnet on your fridge or something, okay? This has teeth. This has bite. It would be helpful to know that God was speaking this through the prophet Isaiah to God's people, Israel, while they are in exile in Babylon. If you've never been in exile, you don't want to be in exile, okay? This is their situation. They've been, God's people have been taken from their homes. They've been taken into captivity, living in completely unideal circumstances. They are lost. They are confused. They are angry. Maybe they're possibly even struggling with their own sin and, and guilt over past mistakes. <laughs> you know, if only we could relate to that, right? And right in the middle, right in the middle of their mess, God sends a message of hope. And there's two key things I don't want you to miss from this passage today. Two keys for the new year that I just want to start off with this morning. Number one, you can let it go. Whatever it is, you can let it go. Yes, just like Elsa singing, everybody, let it go, let it go, okay? Can't hold it back anymore, okay? Just get your inner Elsa on in 2021, okay? You can let it go, whatever that is. God says, forget the past. 
Don't dwell there. Whatever that is for you today. Your guilt and your shame over past mistakes. Something in 2020 that didn't quite go your way. Your anger at God. Somebody that's hurt you. Somebody that said something to you or done something to you. Somebody that you're holding a grudge against. Somebody that you're holding bitterness against. The offense that you took when somebody or an organization or a church or a a small group or your friends did something to you and you're just carrying it and carrying it and carrying it. Receive this promise from God himself, not from one of your pastors, but from God himself as we start a brand new year. Let it go. You can let it go and leave it at the foot of the cross this morning. It can stay there. Why is that? Because living that way is an exhausting way to live. It's an exhausting way to live. And maybe even more importantly, if we are clinging to things in the past, there is no way that we can step into and see the brand new things that God wants to do for us in the new year. Amen? We can't live, we can't straddle, we can't be on first base and try to get to second base at the same time. God is calling us individually and as a church to some brand new things this next year. And we can't do that if we're holding on to the past. Here's the second promise. Yes, God is capable of doing brand new things. But nothing is impossible for God. In fact, we go back a slide to the Isaiah 43 passage. There's those two key promises. Forget the former things so that God is saying, I am doing a new thing. Everybody say new thing. Oh, say it like you mean it. Say new thing. That's what I want you to remember this morning. Isaiah is saying not only is God capable of doing a new thing, God is capable of doing a new thing, of breakthrough as we sang about this morning in the most unideal circumstances, in the most unlikely mess of your life. God is speaking these words into the midst of God's people in exile in Babylon. God's capable of doing it in Babylon, as we learned about a few weeks ago on Christmas. He's capable of doing it in Bethlehem. Amen? God shows up in the most unlikely of circumstances. Nothing is impossible for God. There is always hope. Let me show it to you. How do we know this? Okay, go ahead and go to the next slide. Watch this. Over and over again throughout God's story, God makes a way where there is no way. Just in Isaiah 43, the first three, God says, you show me a wilderness, I'll show you a way. Uh, Some of you feel like maybe you're in a wasteland. God says, I can make streams in a wasteland. God brought water out of a rock and you think he can't handle your life? Over and over again. If you're in exile, God can bring you hope. You go back to John chapter 1. There was nothing. In the beginning was darkness. God says, I'm going to make a light that shines in the darkness that's non-extinguishable. Keep going. In the Old Testament, Ezekiel 37. Anybody Ezekiel fans out there? Book of Ezekiel fans? That's what I thought. Okay, maybe that's a good goal for the new year, okay? Dry bones. There's no life. There's nothing there. God says, I'm going to raise up an army to worship me out of dry bones. God's people, Exodus 14. There's a, the Red Sea in front of them and Pharaoh's army charging up behind them. This is completely, complete, they're up against it completely. And what does God say? Oh, I make highways out of seas. I'm going I'm to part the waters for you, whatever that is, and I haven't stopped doing that. And then, of course, John chapter 20. I'm going to make garden a garden out of a gravesite. Jesus says, I'm going to ruin my own funeral and come walking out of my own grave. 
God says, I make a way where there is no way. I make streams in the wasteland, hope in exile, light in darkness, armies out of bones, highways out of seas, and gardens out of graves, and you don't think I can handle Monday morning? Amen? God has got it. He's got the whole world in his hands. Folks, our hope is not based on wishful thinking, but on a God who has come through over and over and over again, who does his best work when the odds are stacked against you. And this is what I want you to take home today. Our hope is not in a new year, but in a God who makes all things new. Amen? A God who makes all things new. He's done it time and time again. Nothing is impossible with God. And if ever you need a up-close, concrete example, look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. You are looking at a masterpiece. Now, some of you are like, to be honest, Pastor John, the first thing I thought when I looked in the mirror this morning was, okay, not a masterpiece, okay? But this is what God says about you. If you have your Bibles, we're going to start a new year appropriately in the beginning. The very first page of your Bible, Genesis chapter 1. If you got your Bible app on your phone, go ahead and pull out your phone. So Genesis chapter 1. We're starting in the beginning to show you of what God is capable of. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and I love this verse, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Okay? There is literally nothing. God starts with a blank canvas. If you don't think that God can't bring something out of nothing, God literally starts in the beginning, God. Before any of us existed, before the church, before any of our opinions or ideas, in the beginning, God existed. There was literally nothing, a blank canvas. And then light, you know, the next days, the light and water and the planets and the stars and the sky and animals. And then we get to verse 27. Just kind of skim down with me. Let's get to the good part. Verse 27, okay? So God created human beings. You and I, in his image, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I love how chapter 2 adds some extra texture to the story. It says, from the dust of the ground, God created us. Okay? Your very existence, okay? my very existence, the breath in your lungs today is a walking testimony to the fact that God can bring something out of nothing. Some of you are looking at the circumstances of your lives going, oh, that's never going to change. Oh, I'm sure that's the way it's always going to be. This is just kind of what I, what I have to deal with for the rest of my life. And you forget that God is the one that is breathing his life, his breath, his ruah, into your nostrils today. He's the one that got you up this morning. He's the one that forms you. And God is the one that makes a masterpiece out of a mess. God makes a masterpiece out of a mess, okay? What does God do after each of the first five days, okay? Watch this. After the first five days, God creates something and he says, it is good. Everybody say good. It is good, okay? Then God creates us in his own image, man and woman in his image. And then what does God do on the seventh day? Takes a good old Christmas break nap, okay? So that's what he does, okay? He rests. And what does God say at the completion of his work after he's created you and I? He says, it is what? Not just good. 
Very good. Look at verse 31. Very good. God declares it is very good. After the seventh day, biblically, the number seven is a number of perfection, of completion. And you're going to see that number pop up over and over over the next few months as Pastor Hurst and I walk you through several stories, all having to do with God doing a new thing and the number seven. All throughout Scripture, it's a number of perfection. Okay? All of creation is building up to this final day, to the pinnacle of creation, which is you. You are God's masterpiece, created in him for good works, as Ephesians 2.10 says. You are God's masterpiece. I don't care if you feel like it this morning. I don't care what you thought when you looked in the mirror. Turn to the people around you, point at them and say, you're a masterpiece. Tell them that right now. You are a masterpiece. Tell them that. You're a masterpiece. Put your hands on yourself and say, I'm a masterpiece. And believe it, I'm a masterpiece. You are. Absolutely. I'm not asking you how you feel. I'm telling you what God says about you to be true. And here's why that matters. That's why, this is why we start there. Because some of you have your own list. You know, we went through that list. Some of you have your own list. And it looks a little bit more like this today. You are weary. You're exhausted. That, that was me a couple weeks ago, <laughs> if you can be honest. I was, I was right there. We've all been there at some point this year. Some of you, this pandemic, you are lonely. Here's, here's the thing. You can be surrounded by hundreds of people and still be utterly lonely. It's whether you're connected or not. Does anybody know you and you don't know anybody? You're lonely. Some of you are broken. You are hurting over a lost relationship, over a lost dream, something that you wanted to do last year that didn't happen. You're broken. You're hurting. Some of you are just drifting. <laughs> Some of you just refuse to, to plug in anywhere and you don't feel connected. You don't feel like, I don't, I don't feel like I belong. <laughs> but you're kind of doing a hot air balloon version of life where you're just kind of floating along and you drop down for a little bit and then you float back up and you're drifting and you feel so disconnected. Some of you are just living in despair. There's a heaviness and a sadness that some of you are experiencing right now over the loss of a loved one this last year. There's just a deep and profound sense of grief that you lost someone or something that you love. And finally, some of you are just exhausted from the divisiveness of our nation. It, that, that hasn't gone away, by the way. The turn of the calendar doesn't magically make that disappear. And this is where we are at today. And I would be utterly discouraged and I would say, well, we're done for. <laughs> I mean, you look at the odds that are stacked against us and God says, wait a minute, that's my specialty. That's when I show up. That's when I'm the strongest is in your weakness. When you're at your lowest point, did you forget who God says you are? You are his masterpiece. Of course, he's engaged in the details of your life. Of course, he cares about you. Of course, he has never left you and he is close to you today. I don't know about you, but when I look at that list, I'm going to put my money on the God that's come through time and time again, who turns darkness to light, who turns seas into highways, who turns bones into armies, who turns graves into gardens. I'm putting my bet on that God in 2021. How about you? Amen? That's the God I'm choosing to trust in, okay? And this is what God wants to do. He wants to bring refreshment to your weary heart, your weary soul. 
He wants to bring connection for those of you that are lonely this year. He wants to restore your broken heart. Yes, that is possible. The God that created you from nothing absolutely has the power to bend you, mend you back together. If you're drifting today, God wants to give you an utter sense of I belong here. I am connected. If you're despair, if you're in sorrow, God wants to fill you with an incredible amount of hope today right in the middle of that. And in a divided world, in a divided city, in a divided church, God is bringing that unity that we've been praying for right here in front of our eyes, and it's called Hope Elam. Amen? God is already doing it. God is already on the move. God can do that. We're not basing this on wishful thinking. This isn't name it and claim it. This is God. This is the history of God's work in our lives. You are his masterpiece. God has not given up on you. And you might say, John, that sounds all really good and everything, but I don't really know if God understands today. I, I, I don't know. You don't know my situation, and I'm not really sure if he knows or even cares what I'm up against. God is the one that created you, that formed you, and you are his masterpiece. God is the one making your heart beat right now, and you don't think he can handle what's ever come in your way this week. Be reminded of that this morning. God is engaged in the details of your life. Nothing is impossible with God, and this is very good news for us as we turn the calendar to 2021. God is not defined by 2020, and God is not limited by the brokenness of our world. A lot of us say, oh my word, what is the world coming to? As Christians, we say, look who came to the world. Not what is the world coming to, look who has come to the world. A baby who became a man who is our Savior, and his name is Jesus. Jesus. That's where our hope is this brand new year. He is not limited. God's not looking at 2020 going, oh my word, what a disaster. How am I ever going to clean this up? He knows exactly what he's doing. He's still got the whole world in his hands. And whatever your doubts are moving forward, be reminded of this. God's ability to provide is not limited by our understanding how. In every single one of those circumstances, some of you are thinking to yourself, I don't know, how is he going to come through? I'm sure that's what Moses and the Israelites thought too when certain death was staring them in the face from in front and behind. I'm sure that's what the people thought when they laid Jesus in the tomb. In every single one of those scenarios, God brings something out of nothing. I don't know about you, but whenever I get overwhelmed, anybody get overwhelmed? Just a show of hands. You're in church. Don't lie. Get your hands up. Anybody get overwhelmed? Okay. It's easy to get overwhelmed, especially in the world that we live in. I found that usually it's because I've forgotten just how big our God is. And that's why we have to tell ourselves those stories over and over and over again. Have you forgotten that the presence of the God of the universe is right next to you this morning? That's the God that we worship. He's right here. He's right here next to you. Nothing is impossible for him, okay? I think we've got that straight, okay? And I think for a lot of us, we believe that. The question is, what do we do now? Some of you are like, amen, preacher, brother, I'm there. Now what, okay? And that's the question I want to answer now is, where do we go from here? Where do we go? All of us long for a change, for hope, for for newness. All of us have a a picture, a, a reality of where we are right now, 
and then the man or the woman of God that we want to be. All of us have a here, and all of us have a there. Whether you set New Year's resolutions or goals or not, every single one of us has a here and a there. How do we move from goals to reality? How do we get from where we are to where God is calling us to be? I want to propose to you three keys for the new year. Three main ways that God is calling us to align ourselves with him. The first one is prayer. Everybody say prayer. Prayer. Second one is priorities. Everybody say priorities. And the third one, my favorite, plug in. Plug in. Plug in. So we're going to go through prayer, priorities, and plugging in. First of all, prayer. The reason we went through all those stories to remind ourselves of who this God is, okay? When you consider who he is and all that he has done, this God knows you better than you know yourself. What if you started 2021 by asking God instead of telling God? When it comes to setting your goals and your agendas and your priorities for the new year, what if you started with prayer and instead of telling God what your goals are, what if you asked God what your goals should be for this new year? And God say, why don't you just come along and bless what I already want to do? No, take back up a second and ask God in 2021, what do you want to do in and through me? And the difference is a posture of surrender. As we start a new year, check your posture. Everybody check your posture right now. Some of you are, there you go. Everybody waking up, okay? Check your posture. Is the posture of your heart, God, I'm going to do what I want to do this year, and I want you to come alongside and bless it? Or is the posture of your heart, God, whatever you want to do, I'm open to you. My heart is surrendered to you. Because here's, here's the challenge. This is where the rub comes in, is what happens when God's values are different than yours? What happens when God's priorities for your schedule run in and bump up against yours? Who calls the shots for you? Who's the director for you? Who calls the shots in your life? A good friend of mine in college, I'll never forget this. He had this saying on his wall, and I'll never forget it. It said this, pursue God's will, not your will with God's name stuck on it. Pursue God's will, not your will with God's name stuck on top of it. Okay? I don't know about you, but I don't want to get really, really busy in 2021 with crazy amounts of work and shuttling the kids around and joining every gathering or social event that's available and even my hobbies. And I don't want to get so full and so busy and so distracted that I get to the end of the year and I'm coming before God and he says, wow, brilliant performance. But you missed the point. You did it all. You compared yourself to everybody else. You tried to keep up with the treadmill of this culture and this world. Brilliant performance. But you missed it. (laughs) You missed the point because you never came with a posture of humility to say, God, what do you want in my life? How do you get that? How do you not miss the point? You ask him. You spend time daily in God's word. You surround yourself with others that are full of wisdom. James chapter 1 verse 5 puts it this way. Let's read this together nice and loud. If any of you lacks wisdom... You should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. How do we get there? How do we move from goals to reality, from here to there? It starts with prayer. It starts with asking the God of the universe for what he says. Not just an opinion, but God's word for you in 2021. So we start with prayer. Secondly, we move to priorities. One of the things I hear people asking a lot about is, how do I know what my priorities should be? How do I know where God is, is calling me? What my, what my goals 
should be. How do I figure out what matters most? And again, God's word speaks right into the middle of that. You know it. Matthew chapter 6, 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things. Everybody say, all these things. You've got some things. I've got some things, okay? All these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and then all these things. Just like prayer, Jesus says, I'm inviting you to pursue me first because then everything else finds its proper place. I don't mix it up. I don't put things that are, up, that are supposed to be down here up here and vice versa. I don't get things mixed up. Seek first on this first Sunday of a new year. Seek first the kingdom of God. And I want you to hear me say this this morning. Some of us get our identity messed up. Our calling messed up. Your number one calling in 2021 is not mom. Your number one calling in 2021 is not dad is not husband, is not wife, is not friend, is not small group member, is not employee. Your number one calling in 2021 is to be a follower of Jesus Christ and let that identity infiltrate and inform every other role that you play in your life. Amen? I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And because I follow Jesus Christ, that informs the type of parent that I am. That informs the type of friend that I am. That informs the type of worker employee that I am. That informs the type of boss that I am. Because I am a follower of Jesus Christ, that informs how I set my priorities. It's about identity. That's where we start with priorities. Your number one calling is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And that really goes back to, there's about two different ways, there's a lot of different ways, but two main ways that people live out being a Christian. One is that Christianity is a hobby. I golf. I watch college sports probably a little bit too much than I should. Okay? I, lo- I really, really like white chocolate. Okay? I have lots of hobbies these days. Okay? The dangerous thing is, is when Christianity becomes a hobby. Some people view Christianity as a hobby. Some people view it as an identity. Think about it this way. Let's go to the whiteboard, and you can hopefully see this in the room, and we'll zoom in on this on the screen. If all of your life is this pie chart, please, please do not be overwhelmed by my artistic ability, okay? Your entire life is divided up into categories, and this is what we do. We say, I have my family. I have my work. I have my hobbies. I have my finances. I have my social life, okay? And then we say, oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember a uh, sermon on Sunday. I kind of need to work faith in there somehow. But I've got some other, oh, I've got kids. And they've got activities. And you know what? I need to squeeze faith in there a little bit. And there we go. I'll just squeeze it right in there. That's a hobby, Okay. That is a section of the pie instead of the whole pie itself. But I don't know about you, when I read the Gospels, and then I read the book of Acts, and how this small group of people had their lives transformed by Jesus Christ. They went from being, they went from being disciples to apostles. They were sent ones. They had a whole new identity. I don't know if they would understand that chart because they would look at it and say, over the entire thing is Jesus. I have a brand new identity and I'm not breaking up my life. I'm bringing Jesus into every single category of my life. I am who I am no matter where I go. Amen? It's a brand new way of looking at it. Christianity is not a hobby. 
It is a brand new way of life. It is who you are. Let me help you understand it this way in case you're overwhelmed by my, uh, my drawing up here, okay? How many of you are parents? Have ever been a parent or grandparents have ever seen? Or, okay, gotcha. Do you remember the moment when you brought the baby home from the hospital? Remember that moment? Pretty special moment, right? Okay. Think about that moment now for a second. You brought him home. How fast did you drive on the way home? I think I drove like five miles an hour, okay? Probably the, the slowest I've ever driven, okay? They're all cute and tiny, like a little treasure that you would guard with your life. Okay, you drove, drove home from the hospital. How, how, how much sleep did you get the first few 18 years of your life? How many, okay, not a lot, right? Okay, how many nice, quiet, romantic evenings did you have just the two of you in the first month? Okay, not very many. How, how, how clean was the house the first five years? Not very clean. It's a disaster. We clean it over and over and over again, okay? In other words, when the doctor, our firstborn, when the doctor placed Caleb, that seven-pound, 12-ounce little bundle of joy in my arms for the first time, everything changed because now I have a new identity. I am a dad. Nothing is ever going to change that. Everything changes. And all I could do is accept the gift that I've been given and start to live a brand new life. Let me repeat that just so you don't miss it, okay? All I could do is accept the gift that I've been given and start to live a brand new life. I am a full-time dad now. That's what I am. There's no going back to the old identity. I can't just say, you know what, Tiffany? I... I don't really feel like being a dad today. How about you schedule me in for dad duties on Monday mornings, Wednesday afternoons, and any other time that I, it's convenient for my schedule, okay? No, that's not how it works. I am a dad. I have a brand new identity, and so my identity informs my activity, okay? Don't miss that. My identity informs my activity. I don't just look around and see what other people are doing. I, I, don't, I don't look back to my, my previous life or growing up and say, well, that's what church was. That's what Christianity was. I look, at the, I look at the Bible. I look at God's word and say, I am a child of God. This is what it means to follow Jesus. Faith is not one of many priorities in my life. It is the defining one. And people struggle with this. People that have a hard time growing in their faith or moving from here to there, becoming, I can't quite get connected with God the way that I want to. I can't quite grow in my faith the way that I want to. This is what they struggle with, is that people see Christianity as one more thing to consume rather than a whole new way of life. And let's, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. That's a very easy thing to do in the season that we're in, where our world is online, okay? For all of us, whether you're worshiping online today or whether you're in person, so much of what we do is online. And you can take in as much content as you would like. Blogs and articles and podcasts. And you can listen and watch any sermon in the world. And that's all good. But it can't end there. But it can't end there. And this is how we know. For two different reasons. Number one, that's not how we learn. And number two, Jesus modeled for us a different way. When you look at how adults learn, there's been a whole bunch of research done on this. Not, not even by from people with spiritual or faith-based backgrounds. This is just human psychology. This is how God created us. There's three main ways that we learn. And the first one is information. And most researchers and scholars would say that makes up about 
of how we learn through listening to a sermon like you're doing right now or listening to a sermon online or listening to a podcast or reading a book is taking in information. The other way that we learn is, is mentoring and coaching. That's about 20% of how we learn is getting feedback and having somebody pour into you and mentor you and disciple you. And then the third one, get this, what do you think is the 70%? What do you think that is? Experience. Doing it. Okay? And Jesus knew this, and he had three years to change the world. So what does he do? Jesus spends about 10% of his time teaching. Jesus does a lot of teaching. That's the information piece. Okay? The second thing that Jesus does is something called imitation. Everybody say imitation. Imitation. He knew that if it was truly going to stick, he needed to invite the disciples to say, come, follow me. Imitation. Mentoring, coaching, about 20% of it. And then he sent them out to do it. 70% is innovation. Everybody say innovation. To innovate, to go do it, to pray for people, to share the gospel, to cast out demons, to go and share the good news. Go and do it. And that's what they did. But for a lot of us, we will spend our entire Christian adult lives here. And we will wonder why we're missing out. Why it just feels like we're always taking it in but we're never doing anything with what we learn. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with that. We want you to study God's word. We want you to know it inside and out. We want you to receive that teaching and that information, but it can't stay there. You can't be what you can't see. And that's why Jesus modeled imitation for them. And then we learn by doing it. The reason that Jesus did it this way is that you cannot consume your way to maturity in Christ. You cannot consume information on your way to maturity in Christ, okay? James 1, puts it this way. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. A challenge for you today. Taking in the word is extremely important. Who in your life these days is challenging you to live it out? Who is discipling you? Who knows you well enough to ask you the tough questions? Who knows what's really going on in your life so that when you go home today, it goes beyond, oh, that was a good sermon, okay? That's great. You learned some new things today. Who are you walking with? Who are you in relationship with? Who's discipling you and who are you discipling? And then what are you doing with it? How are you applying it to your life? I think about this. And the times that I have grown personally the most in my faith in my life is when I was not trying to do Christianity alone. And that is so easy to do in a season that we're in. But just because a lot of things are online doesn't mean you have to be lonely. It doesn't mean you have to be disconnected. Follow Jesus Every single day. This is not a black, white, or brown issue. This is a Jesus issue. This is what it means to follow Jesus and be a Christian. Live three-dimensionally in that way. Follow Jesus every single day. What does that look like? So we've got prayer. It always starts there. Asking God to set your priorities. Then it's priorities. It's saying, God, I don't want you to just be one part of my life. I want to follow you. I want to be your disciple. I want to live that out every single day. And last but not least, God's calling you to plug in, to take that step, to not just think about it, but to plug in this 
winter. So I'm going to invite up my good friend and fellow pastor, Pastor Michael Hurst, to join me up here on the stage, and we're going to walk you through some of those opportunities together. So welcome up, Pastor Hurst. Absolutely, you bet. Where are we at? Man, I wanted you to get a bigger reception. Welcome up, my oh, friend, Pastor right. Hurst. There he is. All right. My reward in All heaven. Right. There, you reward there you in go. Heaven. There you go. There you go. My awesome. reward's in heaven. So we've yes. kind of shared this vision today that God has big plans in mm -hmm. store for Hope Elam mm -hmm. this year. And I know that we're a new church. Yes. There's a lot of things that we're doing that are brand new for everybody. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that are online. Sure. Uh, and we wanted to just spend some time walking you through why this matters. Mm -hmm. Okay. We've talked about the why. Now we're going to talk about the what. How do you take that next step? and actually make this a priority and plug in in your life. Because the reality is, is that we're a growing church, and it's easy to feel disconnected. Yes. Even you walking into this large room this morning, you could just walk right out of here and not do anything with it and, have no, and no, not anybody know you. Yes. Or you could take that next step and plug in. So what is your next step? We want to walk you through a few opportunities this morning. Mm -hmm. The first one is next Sunday, yes. right after the 11 o'clock service, is new member class. And a lot wow. of people just say, ah, new member class. Why does new that matter for me? What, what, what will we say? What is the reason behind why we're doing that? Well, new members yeah. class, um, the Bible is clear. Habakkuk says, um, the, um, the Proverbs says, the people without a vision yes. shall perish. So you want to come to new members class, so you can get the mission and the vision of the church. Yep. Uh, and that's what's so very, very important as a Christian to go out and get others the great commission. Yes. Go out and bring somebody. So. Absolutely. Well, and I think the reality is, too, a lot of you might have questions. This is a great time to ask questions. It's going to be fully online. You can sign yes. up, and it's a great way to meet other people uh, safely uh, through Zoom as well. So if you have questions, if you're wondering about why do they do the things that they do, uh, then this would be a great time uh, to come. The next thing is Alpha. And I know that both of us have been impacted by Alpha. We're excited to teach it uh, together as well as several other staff members and, and uh, key teachers here. But what's the deal with Alpha? What have we seen over the years and how that's transformed people's lives? What's, what's so important well, about Alpha, Alpha? It's a, yeah. it's an entryway for you to get uh, more connected to Jesus. Yes. And that's what I like about it. Yep. Um, it's encompassed around a few things. Number one, food. You yes. come and you have uh, food. <laughs> yep. And then after you have food, then you have fellowship. Yep. And then after you have fellowship, then you focus on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yep. So Alpha is just a great way of getting yourself introduced to Jesus on a, on a very uh, entry level. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we've, we've actually seen a lot of small groups come out of Alpha. Yes. People don't know anybody. Alpha is a safe place to come to. You meet some people, you're like, hey, we want to keep being together. We love that fellowship. And then yes. small groups start uh, from there. The next one I just wanted to mention really quick was an all-church uh, opportunity that we have coming up called Get Your Life Back. Uh, through group launch. So this oh, is yeah. a, a new book uh, by John Eldridge. And it's called Get Your Life Back. And if you're struggling with uh, setting healthy rhythms and boundaries and finding rest, I'm sure that's not an issue for it's just the two of us, I yeah, guess, not any much. of you. Uh, this might be a great opportunity for you is to meet some other people. This book is all about finding rest and yes. healthy rhythms and boundaries and things like that. So that uh, is starting on Wednesdays. Also on Wednesdays is page two. And we're really page excited about page two, two and, yes. and Bible. I know this is something that's been a big part of the Elam community yes. Uh, yes. in the past, yes. is Bible uh, study. Yes, we should all be a, yeah. know, a Bible-based member. But yeah. page two, we're going to go a little deeper. Uh, alpha yep. is more entry level. Yep. 
page two is if you're moving to more maturity. So if you want to get into the word just a little bit deeper, then come to page two. That's something I'm very passionate about, and I can't wait to dive more into the word with you. Absolutely. Yep. And go deeper with what we talked about every single weekend. And we're going to do a little worship as a part of that uh, yeah, as well. So if you miss worship. weekend worship, uh, we're going to be doing page two in person and on Zoom as well. So you've got both of those options. But if you're familiar with kind of the midweek pastor's Bible study, that's what this is. It's page two. It's everything that didn't make the cut for the sermon today. We're going to bring that on Wednesdays and, and give you a little bit more uh, mm-hmm. with that. The next thing we just want to talk about is serving. There are so many ways to serve, particularly you see people walking around with the awesome blue shirts on and the lanyards and serving, not only with hospitality, uh, with everything that we do on Sunday mornings, but also with children's and student ministry uh, starting back up. Some people uh, uh, think, I'm sure somebody else will do it. What's Mm -hmm. the value in serving? Why does that matter in this season uh, of life? Well, serving helps us connect as a church family. Yes. You know, once you serve with somebody, you get to know them, and quite frankly, that's what we need to do. It's like so many people I wave to today that I've seen you before, and so the wave means a little bit more because I've seen you. So once you serve with somebody, what a great way to build a friendship as well as a fellowship. Yeah, if you're feeling disconnected, serve. It's a great, great way to meet people. And last but not least, none of this happens. There's about 13 different groups and classes that you can be involved with, and most of them start in the next week or two. Okay, that's why we're talking about this today. None of that happens without leaders, okay? Now, some of you, like, when you hear that word leader, it's like ding, 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 ding. Like alarm bells and warning signs are going off. Stay as far away from leadership as I possibly can. Why do we get scared of leading and stepping into roles of, of being an alpha host or starting a small group. What, why do we not need to be afraid of that? What, what gets in the way? Well, we have God, but the reason we are afraid is because we think, you know, we're going to get embarrassed or yeah. we don't know what we're doing. Right. But you and God is a majority. Yeah. You can be a leader once you connect with God. And once you connect with God, then it's our job, me and Pastor John, to equip you to equip you for the work of the ministry. So once you say you want to become a leader, it's our job to develop that in you. Yes. Yep. And we'll train you. Uh, training is available. Don't be scared uh, of that. There, we're excited yes. as we continue to grow as a church. There are so many brand new people that are joining us, yes. hundreds of people joining us online, and we're excited. They can participate in all of these classes because so sure. many of them we're doing online. You might be in a class with somebody from... Michigan, I don't know, you know, Detroit or something like you might be in a class with somebody from a different country because of the power of technology. And that's so cool. There's so many new people getting involved in the church. We can't do any of this without leaders. And some of you, God has created you to be a leader and you're on the bench and it's time to get in the game. God is calling you into the game. You can do this. You do not have to be a Bible scholar. (laughs) We will train you. We will help you. I just want to say this. Community is built. It's not found. Yes. Some of you are like, I don't feel like I belong. I don't feel connected. It takes time. Time. Any relationship in your life is going to take time, but you got to start somewhere. Community is built, not found. It's not just going to show up to you. You've got to go. You've got to take the time. You've got to engage and build that community. And again, this is just a sampling of the options, the one that we've walked through uh, today. But if you think about it, in a way, this year is a blank canvas, God is handing a blank picture frame to every single one of us this year, and he's asking you, will you let me make this year a masterpiece for ah, you? I like it. Will you, will you give me the canvas of your life this year and put that, your, even if it's a mess, 
put that in my hands. God can make a masterpiece out of your mess. What is going to go on your canvas this year? What are you going to do with it? Let this be your guide. Prayer, priorities, and plug it in. And yet some of you are still sitting there saying, John, I'm not starting from a clean slate. Do you know what my 2020 was like? (laughs) It is a complete disaster. There is like paint splatches all over it. It doesn't look like anything. I've messed it up. I've, I've royally screwed something up. My canvas is a complete mess and a disaster. Well, good thing we have a God that makes all things new. A God that takes the messes of our lives and makes a masterpiece. Amen? Yes. So take a look at what happens in this last Jesus. final video when God, the ultimate artist, takes our mess and makes something beautiful. Amen? How cool is that, huh? We take our blank canvas for 2021, even if it's a mess, when we put our mess in the hands of the master, he can make a masterpiece. Amen? And his name is Jesus. As it turns out, just like the painting, whatever your 2020 was like, Jesus was there the whole time. When life felt upside down, Jesus was there the entire time, and he is calling you to not make him a hobby, to not make him just one of your priorities today, but to make it your identity that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, to not just come to church, but be the church in 2021. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand together as we celebrate Holy Communion.